This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, January 12, 2016. I'm Caleb Brown. The Supreme Court is now considering whether to continue to allow unions to extract fees from non-members. A near-identical case is pending in Illinois, Janice v. Asmi. Mark Janice is the lead plaintiff. Jacob Hubert is a senior attorney at the Liberty Justice Center in Illinois. We spoke yesterday about what the Supreme Court's Friedrichs case would mean. There were multiple plaintiffs in your case. It hinges critically on the outcome in the Friedrichs case, which uh, as we record this uh, was heard at the U.S. Supreme Court today. So, Mark, you are one of the plaintiffs. Why don't you uh, tell us uh, how you got here? Well, I was... Uh, you know, I was I was looking at the fees that I was paying, you know, to the AFSCME union, you know, which repre- represents me, uh, you know, in contract negotiations and so on. But I am not a member of, and they take a fair share fee or agency fee, you know, out of my paycheck, uh, you know, twice a month. And how much is and that? It's it's about twenty three dollars and fifty cents. Uh, I recall correctly, um, and of which I have no say, you know, why they do it or, or and the like. And you know, the difficulty is is they don't represent uh, a lot of what I agree with in in their different positions. Um, and so it it you know I learned about the potential of the lawsuit and and uh, you know they were looking for you know, state workers to potentially sign on. And I thought, well, this is the best way I can get involved in trying to be able to, you know, right what I consider a wrong uh, in, in having to pay these, these what they call fair share fees All right, Jacob, know, to the union. Jacob, as a, as a legal matter, what uh, this, this case hinges critically, almost entirely uh, upon the outcome of the Friedrichs case now before the U.S. Supreme Court, uh, what is the issue? Well, the issue is whether the government at any level can force its employees to pay union fees just to keep their jobs. So in the Friedrichs case, you have public school teachers who have been forced to pay union fees as a condition of their employment. Uh, Here we have other types of government workers in Illinois, in our case, who've been forced to pay union fees. If the Supreme Court rules in the plaintiff's favor in the Friedrichs case, then that's going to mean that uh, the state workers in our case, and in fact, all government workers across the country will have the freedom to choose whether to support a union or not. And the argument here is that it's their First Amendment right. You shouldn't have to check your First Amendment rights to free speech and free association at the door when you take a government job. And that's essentially what these people are being forced to do. They're being forced to give money to an organization that takes essentially political positions that they don't agree with. Now, the argument from the unions uh, would be we are providing a benefit that you are receiving and we ought to be paid for providing that benefit. Well, a lot of workers like Mark don't consider it to be a benefit when the union's arguing for things that they don't agree with. You know, uh, the unions uh, seem to take a very uh, narrow materialistic view of what's a benefit for one thing. Uh, they seem to think that everybody wants more money, more benefits, no matter what it costs other people in their community or what the consequences is for their community or state's economy. And of course, that's a very narrow view and uh, not everybody thinks that way. Okay, so uh, the argument here is that this is, this support is compelled; that it is a violation of uh, First Amendment rights because he does, uh, 
Mark here doesn't have a right to decide uh, whether or not to support the union. The union would argue, well, these are separate activities. Our political activities are substantially different from uh, the activities that we engage in when we negotiate contracts. Yeah, but but in reality, is that really true though? When when their political arm, you know, donates money to a particular candidate, which then, you know, goes into a uh, you know in, into a collective area to to get their people elected to support their views. Which, if you're familiar at all with uh, Illinois, you know, Illinois is close to bankruptcy currently. Um, we have the third highest out migration of population in the in the United States right now. Uh, we have a pension debt of close to a hundred hundred billion with a B. Um, I believe I'm correct on that. And it, it the state is not in a good shape uh, and, and, at all. And uh, these things happen because of the policy positions the unions take in their collective bargaining where they're pushing for higher wages, higher benefits, uh, high, higher pension benefits in particular. They've succeeded in getting through collective bargaining all these years. This situation came about, this bad political situation came about because of bargaining. And that really refutes the idea that the unions try to put forward that, well, you can just opt out of the political spending. Well, it's all political because it all affects – all the bargaining is political because it all affects public policy. Another problem is that uh, even when you opt out of paying for union political spending, you don't really know what your fees are going for. I mean they'll give uh, – they give people in Marx Union a statement that says, OK, this much money out of uh, fees we collected went to advertising and this much of it was chargeable to people who opt out of political spending. And then that's all they tell you. You don't actually know what that advertising was. You don't know was it really non-political and what counts as political and what doesn't when they – if they lobby the public through ads on TV to give workers more benefits, uh, are they not counting that as political? Uh, We know that uh, they're very loose about this sort of thing and of course they take a very broad view of what counts as so-called representation activity. And the result of this is that workers are inevitably playing for what everybody would agree is political speech and there's no real way to police this. The only way to really make sure that workers aren't paying for political uh, speech and political activity is to just not force them to pay a fee to a union at all. Now, some states, uh, it's my understanding, at least in in Michigan and some other states, they uh, unions say, well, sure, you can opt out of paying uh, the union, but they make it uh, incredibly difficult to do that. They create these sort of narrow windows of time in which you have to do it. And then the language that they use in, in mailers that they send to you uh, make it unclear whether or not you're actually affirming your continued participation in the union or whether or not you're uh, opting out. Well, and the, and the question is, why do they make it so difficult? What are they afraid of? You know, if, well, I if, think it's losing dues, right? Right. It, it's losing dues and it's losing, losing some of their clout, if you will. Um, and it's it's the ability of, of of keeping you know people involved that may not necessarily want to be involved. Now, Jacob, you attended the oral argument. I did. And uh, what what uh, did you what sense did you get from the questioning in uh, the Friedrichs case? 
Well, if any of the court's five conservative justices have any reservations about ruling in favor of the plaintiffs and ending this practice of forced fee collection uh, from government workers, they certainly didn't show it in their questioning. Their questioning uh, was all, all challenged the government and union lawyers who want to defend this practice and uh, really didn't show any uh, mental barriers in any of the justices' minds to ruling in favor of the plaintiffs. So it looks like uh, they may well go ahead and do that. Uh, you know, and you mentioned the uh, issue of opting out versus opting in, and uh, Chief Justice Roberts pressed uh, the union lawyer as to uh, you know what the justification could be for requiring people to opt out of paying dues instead of give uh, giving them the choice to opt in to paying dues. And of course, they really can't come up with anything to defend that. The, we know why it exists for the reason you said, because with, through inertia, it just means that they're going to uh, uh, have more people uh, paying dues. Uh, and the best they could say is, well, uh, we think more people would want to be in the union than not. And so it would take more resources to, to, to count up all the opt-ins instead of counting the opt-outs. So that just makes it easier. So that's, that's the best they can do in justifying that. And I don't think that bodes very well for them. Mark Janice is the lead plaintiff in Janice v. AFSCME. Jacob Hubert is a senior attorney at the Liberty Justice Center in Illinois. Follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast and subscribe to this and other podcasts at iTunes, Google Play, and Cato.org.